Folks, welcome back to the Jake Feinberg Show. Joined today by a friend of the program. I spoke to him over the uh, the high holidays, Christmas holidays, uh, 2013, and um, spent a lot of time talking about um, Tony Williams, the the, uh, the, cl- the famous phone call uh, that Tony called Allen one time, and. Uh, Oh, yeah. okay. I, I forgot I, I told you that. that. That's such a, I mean, what a, anyway, Alan, welcome back to the show, man. Oh, thanks, thanks. I, I enjoyed that uh, last conversation very much, man. It was great. It went all over the place, man. I I, I, I wanted to ask you about uh, Steve Gadd. Did, did you have a relationship with Steve at all? Did you know Steve? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, cuz yeah. he he you know when when I, I had him on uh, live radio a couple weeks back, he he before he I t- heard a bit of it. I heard a bit. Of yeah, it. I got to get you a, a level 1 access pass so, so you can access. I I'm sorry, I I the musicians get the I will get you a free access pass to that <laughs> cuz it's such a heavy interview and uh but when he I'm not sure in the excerpt there was one point where he's going through a litany of drummers that he, that came before him, and you were one of them. It was really freaking cool. It was it was awesome. <laughs> so I just wanted oh, to, great. yeah, I, I'll, I'll get you a, a pad. But anyway, what is uh, t- tell me about when you first met Steve and what 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 what's special about Steve Gadd? Um, you, oh, are you asking me now what's special about? Yeah, um, yeah. Talk about your, I mean, the, the brotherhood that exists. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, First of all, uh, I can't help remembering that he was just a real, like, uh, clean-cut, <laughs> clean-cut, <laughs> sweetest-to-be, sincere kid from Rochester, you know, or, or it could have been the Midwest or something. No, it was Rochester. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I know that. Yeah. But it could have been. Yeah, it could have been, been anywhere. Been yeah, like yeah. A hayseed, I mean, hayseed. I want to use the almost want to use the word hayseed, you know, <laughs> um, because he was like, wow, man, uh, how do you how did he get that sound? You know, how do you get the? Because he was he was coming from jazz, and I was I was into the pop thing, and and I was tr- I was trying to make as much money as I could in the studio, so you'd have to stay up on the on what the latest. Tuning, tuning of the drums, what the drums should sound like, and uh, and I remember he was asking me. Uh, he came to a session that I was playing, and he said, "How do you get that the toms to have that sound?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, and then and then jump cut to I don't know what, and I'm I'm, not, I'm saying this with pure, absolutely pure love. I don't know what happened to him. I think it was all. All the wrong people he decided to hang out with who said, Hey, just try this, man. You tell me, you're going to feel great. You're going to get all kinds of energy from this. Take a, take a hit on this, you know? Right. And, and they took him, they, they took him down. He, oh, he almost didn't come back from where he was, you know? You know that, right? Well, I mean, I just found it powerful that I had the courage to ask him on live radio about being if he was happy to be alive and how courageous it was for him to speak so eloquently about learning how to be grateful. It takes hard work to be grateful, you know, and you guys, you know, whereas we're growing up in this society now where it's so uh 
materialism has crept in so much that, you know, you're, you, you know, if you make a lot of money, then you must be a really successful person and you must really know everything about life and really sophisticated, which is just total bullshit. But that, that is essentially right. what my generation and younger generations are. Whereas with you guys, I mean, you in particular got into a system, into a bureaucracy and started to thrive in it. But the truth is that you guys had just the accolades of being able to cut a record, that individual, knowing that you, that you, that was your, this was your lineage. And it was just so, it was, it, it, to me, that's a very powerful thing. You could really hang your hat on something. And I just think that my larger, yeah. you know, and just the idea that, that, that he was able to talk about trying to appreciate that. But I know, man, I could hear it in his voice. And I talked to him since then, actually. I, I could hear in his voice. I mean, it, it took, it took his his God to bring him back because I, I mean it it was hard. You get that addicted to yeah, you know yeah you know. yeah. I heard some you know what what I heard in the interview is uh I heard a lot of you know I heard a lot of the pain you know and um, and I and and it was it was kind of getting in the way of, of him expressing himself. He. Uh, you know, I, I don't mean that in any any derogatory kind of ways. Just, yeah, no, I, I I really appreciate it. I like hearing. It. Couldn't put the words together. He was saying like a lot of a lot of you know, you know, you know, and uh, you know, and you know, you know, you know, and uh, but you could through all those you knows you could hear <laughs> what he was trying to say. Well, no that. one's ever asked him. That. I mean, no one's ever been been able. You know, he was thinking, right. you know, it was sort of like you know, let's just. Cut to the, uh, and I think that uh, he enjoyed that, and um, you yeah, know, I bet he did. You know, help him, you know, get some of that stuff off his chest. But you know, I just, I, I, uh, I mean, so what have you been up to lately? I mean, like, what, what kind of, aside from selling the, um, the, the, the well, what have I been? Like, what kind of, what kind of sessions have you been working on? What kind of, uh, well, you know, I've been. Uh, I, I just wanted to finish with Steve. Uh, yeah, go ahead, yeah. About, yeah, go ahead. About, about Steve. He's, he is the sweetest, he is just the sweetest guy, and he is, he's gotten a gift from the gods, you know, he just, um, you know, he's got, he's got, he's an amazing player of the instrument, you know, he's a great player, and it's, 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 he's really, uh, Maybe the most famous drummer ever. You know, yeah, I think he might be the most famous drummer. Well, the, the other problem is that he know he like when I talk to him, he's like Jake. Um, the picture you put up with my interview—that's not me. There's another Steve Gad, who was a studio drummer, played in Charlie, which was a rock band, which you must know. And his name is Steve Gad, LA Studio Cat. And there's a picture of him, and I put it up there from an, from a from a, a, a sleeve, and it's and of course it, it looks nothing like Steve Gadd, but I could not believe that there was another studio Gadd on the West Coast. Maybe your boy, your buddy Schaefer knows that cat. Anyway, he isn't he didn't have much of a career, but that is eerie to me that there's another wow. Gadd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. I've never heard that. Schwartzberg, heard that. there's I, a lot of stuff you haven't heard. Just, no, I mean, <laughs> he's just great. He's he's a great. Great guy, yeah. man. I mean, more than more than anything, and and just I think he's I, I think a lot of kids, a lot of kids, those are those are their roots, you know. Uh, they may not have been Steve, well, of course, Steve's roots are different, but 
you know how, how gen, every generation the roots change. Yeah, that's right. Know? That's right. So uh, people start with, now. Kids start with Steve Dad, you know, and uh, and all that, and all you know, and chops and stuff like that. Do you but think? Anyway, do you? Uh, uh, yeah. No, I mean, go ahead. Fit, fit, yeah, continue, please. No, that, well, that you know, that's it. I just wanted. I just want to express my love for him. He's just uh, because he's such a he's such a great guy. He's such a beautiful guy, and he'll never again be. Uh, he'll never again like leave his. His feet will never leave the ground again the way they did years ago. Mm. When he was, uh, you know, when he was battling his demons and stuff. That's right. But, uh, but he's but he's totally cool now. I've been. Uh, I, think, I've been I think actually it, it, it is, it's given him. Uh, just to finish up, I think it's just given him a new. Pers- I mean, you you talk about these epiphanies. You mentioned it in our first interview, but it's like you know. I think I think Gad, the, his appreciation for life is 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 at, at high, very heightened now, and I think uh, oh, you know. Time. So it's just you know you get those you get those wake up calls and you you want to take advantage. But anyway, yeah. In, as we proceed, yeah, he's got a thing. You know, he's got a, he, he loves his family. He loves his wife Carol, and um, his boy, kids. You, know, you, you never know, but I I think you know they're solid as a rock. You know, a long term marriage. Carol, his wife was at. At my wedding, forty-three years ago, uh, his wife was at my wedding with really weird my man. That's that so time. weird. Jimmy Malin, Jimmy Malin at the production. Oh man, oh, we talked about Malin a lot in the first interview too. That guy was on. Yeah, he was yeah. on some obscure Latin rock band. How did bands like that? even get an opportunity to get in a label like that. There was like a rooster head. You weren't in the band, but I mean, Malion, these obscure bands, and they cut a record. I mean, the industry, how did it even work? How did that work? You know, because where you get down now to basically, you know, so streamlined, you know, maybe eight artists. I, I don't know. There just seemed to be a lot of more niches and a lot more fluidity within the industry. And then, uh, even being able to hear the radio uh, from Maine all the way to San Diego. There were all these, op- you know, you could hear the same, I don't know, I mean, uh, th- th- those obscure eccentric... Well, yeah, I, I, you, are you saying, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to just like focus uh, <laughs> on what you're saying. I'm sorry. Um, no, what I'm trying to say is the eccentric, like, uh, music, that would, the improvisational music that was being made in the early 70s, that, that you know, yeah. how, how is there a budget for that? <laughs> you know, like, like because now it's only about what's going to sell. But there was there. It's, only, it's about what? It's only about what's going to sell a lot. Oh, you know, oh, it's, be, oh, yeah, it's become yeah. very homo- it It's become very homogenized. Oh, it's, so it's back at it. Go ahead. There's no. There's no. Now, right now, you can't. Right now, poor bands can't. You can't get anything happening. You can't get a label behind you unless you come to them with proven sales from your internet and your website. So you have to go out there and and sell it for them and, and get your own PR done and people already know you and then they'll they'll decide to back you and nobody's taking a chance on anything. Yeah. Nobody's taking a chance on anything. They don't know what's happening. People they, they don't know you, uh, Schwartzberg, I, you are so on the pulse, man. Uh, because I, I, there, I met this cat, 
and uh, you know, I mean, he's been in the in the he he's been at the top of, again. Clear Channel's also been it's just a horrendous. I mean, the idea of freeform radio, man. Like the engineer that I work with consistently when I'm not doing live shows. Jim Brady was a DJ in Tucson from like seventy three to eighty one, where you would get the British pro, you get the progressive pro, British rock, you'd get you know maybe some Mahavishnu, you know, you get Return of, you you'd get a all in a half hour span, you get the whole sides of the records, uh, no breaks. People's ears were more open at that time, and and to me the sh- the shrinking of that of that sphere of consciousness. Like, that's consciousness, man. When you sat at the village gate or stood and watched Tony Williams every set of every night that they Miles played at the gate, that yeah. expanded yeah. you out. I mean, more. that's... And you, as a human being, you can't ask for more than that. And I, I you just don't get that experience today. And it's a shame because, no, you're right. because people... Because people did take chances back then, they used they, there was more trust, and people used their gut their gut more, and I you know it was a confluence of things. But nobody's out there doing that today. It, it's it's almost being stifled, you know. Yeah, you're you're right. You're I don't know right. if I'm right or not, man. But you 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 feel. I know. I, I I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. I don't know why you. I don't know why it's. I don't know why things are the way they are. You know. Well, that's um, not even but, important. I mean, the fact that we're just trying to talk about it and get it into the zeitgeist is, is the most important thing, you know? Yeah, well, well, we're just identifying the state of the art, I guess, you know? Uh, but you, but, but you um, really, you, you've seen it be deteriorating since the early 70s. Was there a comeback at all at a certain... I mean, you, I guess my point is, like, with your buddy Schaefer out in L.A., you know, he's out playing... Yeah. He likes playing live. He likes playing live gigs, but you... Uh, you just yes, he does. He's he's playing with uh, he's playing with his own with his own trio with the trio actually that he's he formed with uh, Abe, Abe Laboriel and uh, and oh my uh, god, are you kidding me? Yeah, they have a trio. They have a Laboriel on bass. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. But, you know, he's playing. Uh, Abe is playing uh, electric, and they're playing. And they're playing jazz, you know. They're playing jazz. Um, Dude, Abe, I mean, Abe, Abe Laboriel. Abe is an amazing, amazing. Uh, Wait, amazing. Who else is the piano? It was a and piano. And the, I'm trying to think of the piano player. He's. Um, it's fine, but I yeah, guess he, he, Alan, you you one of the most yeah. in demand piano players out there. You know, because I mean, I I've gone out to Southern California. I, I've I've checked out the scene. It's definitely more laid back. If the scene was hipper, would you go out and play live more, or the scene just is the you know because you talked about that magic just sort of you know closing off you know it's just so you were very glib about that whole thing about sort of the non pretentious genius attitudes of guys like Dizzy and Bird, and then all of a sudden that whether it was this the the assassinations and the race and the and the race baiting and there was a bitterness that crept in especially because the music morphed into something that really it, it wasn't. And, uh, so this, you just don't play live because the scene's just not that happening. There's just not a lot going on. Well, you know, for, you know what I'd like to do, Jack? I'd like to play live, I'd like to play live, which I think Steve would like to do also, but he's, he's making concessions also, Steve Schaefer. Uh, You're right. I would like to play pure bebop. 
I would just like to play just pop, like uh, Riverside Records and uh, Blue Note Records, that kind of thing. And that, that doesn't mean uh, not play any Horace Silver straight eighth kind of tunes. I like that too, all that stuff. But I just love, to me, it's like one day I just became an old man. I just became, I remember Suit Sims telling me, you know, we were just about to go on stage and we were talking and he said something like, uh, I don't, I don't get what they, what, what they're playing today, what these guys are playing today, you know, it just makes no sense to me. It's just like a bunch of notes or something. Yeah. And I said, boy, I never want to be like that. I never want to be like that. And, uh, then I find myself saying, you know what? I really, I like certain, certain kinds of music better than other kinds of music. I really do. And I like, and I like the older jazz better. I just think, um, you know, I, I just, I, I think like some of the, uh, you know, it's like, it's like you you it's like, it's not broken, don't fix it kind of thing. Like when you have odd, odd tempo, odd tempos, you know, odd meters. Yeah. And you look in the audience and you're playing, you, there's nobody tapping their foot. They can't tap, possibly tap their foot to it. How could they relate to it if they can't even tap, tap their foot to it? So, you know what I'm saying? Well, what are they yeah, tapping? It's just, yeah. Tapping I mean, their brains, you know? It's like tapping their brain to it. And who's educated enough to know that, that every other bar is a seven, eight bar and, and that's, and, there, look at that acrobatic. Isn't that something? We negotiated that. Seven, eight bar, you can't even tell. Except that nobody is liking it. You know? How come nobody's reacting? And it's like, uh, you know, you, I don't know. So I think, I think that, that jazz always should, and all kinds of music, all kinds of pop music, should always somehow be related to making the lay person feel good. Maybe even get them to move, get up from their chair and, and maybe dance or, or, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I just I just think that, you know, when you hear, you hear Miles Records, old Miles Davis Records, I mean, you could do the Jitterbug, to, you could do a, a Lindy to that, you know, all that stuff, all that swing stuff. I mean, it's it's great. I love it. I, I, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be more blunt. I mean, I, I just don't think that, you know, the... It, they haven't cut music out of schools. It's it's it, music is still like the ability to, to access, but you just need to have money. So that minorities have been screwed out of music. So you you don't have the the black. Oh, that's a whole yeah. That's you know that to me is is the you know the Latino populations, the Puerto Ricans, the 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 you know all the Afro Cuban guys who you know where music was an outlet. It was a way to make a living and survive. You yeah. know this. I, you know that that's been stripped away because all of a sudden we're homogenizing our society and we're not representing who we really are as people. I think that's the whole point of my show is like 40 years ago we had already we, we, we've actually digressed you know in quite a few ways you know is in, in that you're right Jake you know people are not they're not they're not realizing it and they're not writing about it enough and talking about it enough no I don't think really I, I, because, because, because because nobody has the nobody has that flexibility within their job to be a maverick really I mean, if you're a maverick in any way, shape, or form, right. you get suspended for three weeks and paddled, and then you better be on. And then you know, but but then you get to a point where it's like the only way you can really be yourself is you, if you just have millions and millions and millions of dollars, and you can do whatever you want. As long as you're rich, you can be the biggest asshole, biggest fool in the world. 
you know, but, but I'm just saying in general, it's like that, you know, so when I talk to a lot of the black musicians, you know, they just say, you know, listen, you take the instruments out of their hands, the kids start using, you know, what came out of that was, was hand padding and, uh, and, and poetry rap, you know, so rap comes out of it, you know, but those kids, you know, know, but you look at the, uh, the lack of, of those those like the the roots of African rhythms, like if as the farther and farther you get away from the source, really the harder and harder it is to keep that lineage together. And when I talked to Lenny White, right. I, I talked to Lenny White, and he he said a lot of cats don't. He thinks they don't go back far enough when they in their in their in their seeking. They might go back to the nineties or the you know a little bit before, but that they don't go back far enough in his mind. A lot of the younger cats. They're, they're, they oh, yeah. Well, that's kind of like what I was saying about Steve. You know, people's roots, young kids' roots begin with Steve, you know? And, uh, and not to take anything away from Steve, I'm, you know, I'm happy for him, but Steve's roots go much deeper than that. And Steve's roots go back to, uh, you know, Philly Joe Jones and, and all that stuff, you know? And Jazz and, and Max Roach and all that. What was your impression? What did you did you enjoy Roach's sti- style? Did you get to hang with Max? Say that again. Uh, with Max Roach. Say that again. Max Roach. Did you get to hang with Roach at all or play with him? Well, yeah. You know, uh, I'll send you a picture of. <laughs> oh, I'm going to send you this picture of <laughs> of uh, Max Bernard Purdy. Um, oh my God! And uh, Ginger Baker and me. Wow! Four, four of us. Wow! Yeah, it was supposed to be a publication called um, Percussion Percussioner or something, or uh-huh. uh, I forgot what the name of the magazine. But the story was written, and I was representing the studio guy. Max was the jazz guy. Ginger was the rock and roll guy, and Purdy was the R and B guy. And, it, and the cover was supposed to be a Mount Rushmore. <laughs> so I'm going to do a, a, a version of, uh, you know, like a, a painting of Rushmore, you know, with our, our faces on. And uh, I want to send you a speech. I, I hung with Max a little bit. Uh, I idolized him. I idolized him, man. The, the sound, you know, he really was such a big influence on Philly Joe Jones. And, uh, he was a master, master musician. Those masters, those masters are not teaching their own people, though. That's the crazy thing. That's really... The, well, I mean, that... Max was trying. No, I'm not... <laughs> you know, I, I say now, like, yeah. like uh, Juilliard, you know, their faculties, like, Ron Carter and Billy Hart, Eddie Henderson, all these... Right. You know, how many of the students are black, you know? I don't want to make it all about that, but, 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 you know, like you said in our first interview... There's no white drummer that played like Elvin or Philly Joe or 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 uh, you know Mickey Roker. You know, you just there's that there's that uh, there's that that's just that that unbelievable visceral swing that um, you know, and that's not that's that is not present in the mu- the improvisational music of if you want to call that you know jazz. It's not there at all. It's a bunch you know, of. Dick, I'm so glad you brought this up because uh, you had an interview. You did an interview with some uh, drummer recently, not too long ago. Maybe, who, maybe Keltner. No, not Keltner. Yeah. It was a 
there was a black drummer who said, man, I don't want to hear about black, white. What does it matter, man? And, you know, it's, I, I, I hope, I hope I'm, I'm, I'm carrying a thread of what you just said. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, but the, the, the guy that you interviewed sure. was, was really bitching, and I felt maybe he was possibly referring to me, because I know I said, I, that's, I, I know, not, not that I said I know, in my heart, that I, there, there's never been a white drummer, a white drummer that, that ever had, and you could ask, ask anybody, ask, ask Steve Schaefer, ask any, any drummer. Hold on, I, I mean, hold on a second, I, I'm, I'm waiting, that, Aaron, that I, I'm, Alan, I, I, I really want to get this straight. You, someone, someone came, at, someone criticized you for saying something. I'm trying to get the context of this. Uh, uh, I read something in, in one of your interviews. Right. I believe it was one of your interviews. I'm not sure. I, I don't think it was. Some, I don't think it was. Did you read? I you, think it was. A, it, there's a, tra uh, a transcript of your interview. Your, your interview is a transcript, right? Uh, I, I tra no, no. Yeah, exactly. I transcript a lot of interviews, and, and yeah. there, there was a very, there was an explosive one that I did, um, but I don't remember, what were you, it had nothing to do, I, it was It was all nothing about. Nothing to do with, my name was not mentioned at all, but it, it just reminded, I thought maybe, <laughs> maybe it was the kind of thing that I said, that somebody had read it that was reacting to reacting to, because I was, I was almost being like racist. You might say I was like, but what I am. Well, no, no, oh, no, 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 I know what you're talking about. It had nothing to do yeah, with you, yeah. but, but this is so perceptive. Terry Gibbs freaked out. He freaked out about, I said something, uh, you know, about, uh, you know, basically the, what we, what we talked about in our first interview. And Terry wanted to give yeah. me this huge lecture about uh, you know his version of of jazz and how he disagreed that it was you know that it was a white art form and that you know Buddy Rich could swing his ass off that, like he kept pounding but and I just said listen I'm not here to I, I, Terry I said if you want to do an interview about your career that's great you're not going to change my mind man I've done enough work on this you know and he was so flustered he was so worked up he settled down, we did a great interview, but then he exploded wow. again online, you know, he just lost his shit, so there's a lot of pent-up anxiety and energy, it's just, to me, for you to see the purity, to, for you to, as a young musician, young male, like, growing up, like, to see that, the mature, the, the Dizzy Gillespie's, the James Moody's, you know, those cats, the way they right. sort of handle themselves, and integrated white people into their bands, you know, that, to me, was the most, I mean, that was the hippest shit in the world, and uh, it was yeah. pretty pretty transparent shit, and and that that rubbed off on all you guys, and and now we just have a couple. We lost a couple of generations, and uh, you know now it's time to sort of pick up the not just pick up the pieces, but you know keep connecting those synapses as long as we're here because the, of the unpredictability of life, as you know. Right. Well. <laughs> free free, asso I still, free association. I still, I still, I still, I, I still believe it. I, I just, um, I wish, I would like to see, I don't know why, why, you know, it's like, uh, but it, it just, it is, to my, to, to my reality, it just, it, it, it is, it, you know, I just haven't, haven't seen any, any I haven't seen Pete LaRocca, I haven't seen, uh, Philly Joe Jones, and, uh, Elvin, um, Art Blakey, Max, um, Mickey Roker, 
you know, I, 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 you know, I love Shelly Mann. I thought Shelly Mann was a magnificent player. And, uh, and, uh, it's just being able to, it, even it, Buddy Richards, Buddy Richards is, 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 is a, is a, is a, like an incredible, yeah. incredible virtuoso. Um, so is Dave Weckl a virtuoso, you know, but, the thing that the thing that I hear is, you know, the, the thread running through all the the first batch of drummers, and I don't hear it. I just don't hear. It. I don't never hear it anywhere. Now Lewis was beautiful, amazing big band drummer. You know, uh, he did that great. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking right. about something I'm talking about deep deep swing. We we just I remember I remember like bunch of us like uh, listening to Coltrane and in the old Birdland, which is right below my studio uh, in, in uh, 52nd of Broadway. It's in the same building. Wow. It's, uh, it's wow. Five, yeah, it's wow. five. Uh, That's cool. Bob and I, my partner Bob and I, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, we used to go there as kids and, uh, and, and do that. We would stand up. There'd be some moments where you just have to stand up and start screaming. Like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> How you, know, you can't take it anymore. You can't, uh, you can't just, you gotta jump up and move. Right. So, <laughs> so much fun. Wow. And, you know, like, Coltrane and Elvin, like, uh, they break down, it'd just be Coltrane and Elvin, and they would build. And you would not say, no, Elvin's just playing. And, and Coltrane's playing, but all of a sudden, they both meet at the end of this explosion, they both intersect, you know, they intersect in this one moment in time, and it's just, and it just, you know that they, they, they went on a trip by themselves, and then they came back. Oh, and my they came back God, back that is land. so ridiculous. I mean, that, is he that? You know, I mean, can yeah. you imagine that? I mean, it's like, where are they? Where are they in the song? I don't know. Do they know what they're doing? Well, boom! Yes, they do know what they're doing. You know, they're, they're right there. And they, they would just, it, it would just be like unbelievable. And, and you were, and there were like nine people in the club, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> right. 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 Transcendent, yeah. oh, but, right. but, but you could take that transcendent spirit into every studio session you've ever done. You know, you could take that uh, that that seared into your memory bank, and you know, I mean, it's just, I just, I feel, Alan. You know, my question is on any project you're on, whether you're, you know, whatever capacity, you know, what what are the the leadership qualities that 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 you believe are, are in this day and age? I mean, in this time that we're living in now, yeah. Uh, what are the what are the what are the things that you consider to be good leadership qualities? Um, uh, I would say if, if you put yourself, I, I, let's see if I'm addressing exactly what you what you want me to. Um, if you are, if you're in a position of let's say, which is what I'm doing now, with doing producing mainly, uh, I'm playing. Of course, I invite myself to play. On yeah, everything. sure. But uh, why? Why not? Like I'm first call. I'm first call with myself. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but so, but what I and I so I've been a leader and I'm a producer and stuff like that. Uh, the 
quality that when you're working with other when you're working with other people, the, you, the best you could ever get out of them is what they do naturally. So you have to just encourage them to relax and just do do naturally what they do. Uh, you know, you could teach you could teach them tricks and stuff like that, but you might as well you might as well program it. That's um, right. Get a much better product, much better outcome if. If everybody is is allowed to do what they really do, and you can't believe the difference, you know, the, the difference between a band playing and um, and one guy at a synthesizer playing is is enormous. I mean, it's so much better when you have it, people contributing and uh, and they feel comfortable comfortable in contributing. How do you? How do you, a, yeah, no, I, I, could you use an example of you know? where you sort of saw a need to sort of point things out and it really helped the session or salvage it? You know, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I, I would... Nobody stopped me, and uh, and I thought... I, I always was verbal when, uh, when, it, when if I had an idea about something, and I, and I had a lot of ideas... Uh, because I, I basically was, was a producer sitting at the drums, you know, and I was able to hear, I was able to hear things like, for the longest time, like like an example, was three guitar players. Three guitar players on the tape was a very common thing. <laughs> right. What, what, happens when you, what happens when you put a lead sheet in front of three guitar players? Nobody's playing rhythm. Nobody, nobody <laughs> says, you know what, I'll, except because there's one guy. There's one guy named Jerry Friedman. I don't know if you ever heard that name. No. Jerry Friedman's the guitar player. Jerry Friedman's legendary. <laughs> no, I mean, there are so many dudes in the in that Bob Man. Oh yeah. Now, yeah I mean this this group. Jerry Friedman. I, I mean these. This, Jerry Friedman uh, was the guitar player on Benny King's "Your Love Is Like a Supernatural Thing." Oh my God! It is the, it is the most R and B swinging jazz. I don't know what you call it. Oh it is man, Jerry Nicky, Friedman, Nicky guitar, Jerry Friedman, yeah. <laughs> and he was just loved by uh, every black guitarist, every black guitarist in New York because he had he had it. he had the real deal, and he would you know he would end up he would end up playing a part like. Uh, he invented the the single note guitar part, which was that's what he would play through the song for a lot of the song. And everybody else was going, shang it, you bounce it bang and a little bit of a line, a rhythm all over the place. Everybody was all over the place. He would try to find a seat. You sit down in a seat and, and, and be supportive to the song, you know? And, uh, that's, that's, uh, a, a leader that encourages that is, uh, I, I, I love working for certain producers like, uh, uh, Bob Ezra. Um, I think I mentioned him in the first interview. Um, he's a guy. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't I, Tell me about, I, may, say, say, who is, who is Do you it? know the name, Bob Ezra? No. Okay. Bob Vesterin did The Wall, uh, Pink Flo- all the Pink Floyd records. Wow. 
he did Alice Cooper records. He made Kiss. He made Kiss musical. Uh, and Alice Cooper. Sure. Was Alice Cooper. You know, when, when none of those guys could play, Bob Harrison was with could rip them into shape. Uh, so, I mean, leadership qualities, this guy, to me, this guy, uh, he, he stopped the session once and, uh, the first time I ever worked for him, um, this is the days of my, of money, budgets, budgets, and, and a lot of money in, in those days. This was for, for, uh, was um, for an Alice Cooper record, I believe, or it could have been, could have been a Peter Gabriel, could have been a, a track from Peter Gabriel. Um, he stopped the session. He said, Alan, come with me. Uh, I gotta go across town. I'm gonna play you something on, uh, my stereo. And that's all there was with that. You know, it's oh, man. And limo waiting outside. Session, oh, guys. Take an hour, okay? Have get a bike and be right back. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I love this. Is car, the, this is know, exactly what I need right now. This guy got a hit on me or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> what's what's coming here? You know. But we went to we went to his apartment on on the on a swank, swanky pad on the upper east on the uh, midtown on the east side. He went opened the door went right to his. His record player in those days, stereo. Sure. Put on a King Crimson. Put on a King Crimson record. And he says, "You hear these kind of drum tones? You hear what this guy's playing? That's what I want in that section. Wow. That kind of thing." Okay, got it. I said, "Yeah, okay, let's go." <laughs> went, you know, uh, Twenty minutes plus, back in the car, across town, and uh, and that was it. And like shit like that, man, is like. <sighs> It was beautiful. Gold. And then Gold. And you end up playing your part on there and you get the credit for it and people say, hey, nice part on that record. And, you know, if you're a mensch, you would say, yeah, well, you know, who told me to play that? Yeah. But you know, Alan, like, I mean, we go going back to what we were talking about earlier, uh, this ability for you guys to able to measure your progress through actual real tangible results there's nothing real today financially it's all fake money everything is everything is every, there's nothing real I, I feel like it's in some ways you were able to yeah. take those records you got paid for those records you had very intimate personal experiences with people on these records you know that sort of that existence is that that it's become why in your mind why uh, in general, why are we in paralysis as it as it relates to investing, taking chances, uh, or or even in the business? Nobody nobody is willing to take a chance on anything. Why why do you uh, why do you feel that's the way it is? Well, I mean, I think that I think the uh, the world is is such a in a, such a financial precarious place people 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 can't you know guys at record companies are just paid to say no all they do is say no now don't hear it sorry you know it's like nobody they can't you know it's it's nothing worse than saying hey I would go with this I would put a bunch of money behind this and it doesn't happen 
you know, then you lose your job, and you're the guy that that did that. Um, I thought I thought you were going to go in a slightly different direction. You know, you you were kind of like what, what, what you said before. It's kind of kind of in my mind pointing to there's nothing. You said there's nothing real anymore. It's like there's no it's not really a record anymore. You know, it's like downloads. What the fuck is it downloading? Well, no, if you, you, that's, I mean, I, for me, this doesn't, I mean, I'm a seeker, so I'm, I'm looking for, I'm trying to look for that, that, that disco symphony that Schwartzberg's on from 79 and the Goodwill. Like, I'm going to find that because I still have that kind of setup. That guy brought you into his (laughs) apartment, that guy brought you into his apartment to play the King Crimson album. That's my setup down there. You know, one speaker works one day, two speakers work, Zoot Sims, all this stuff, you know? But mo- right. for the for the ma- vast 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 majority, and I know my daughters will be. I mean, it's a it's it's the most it's the most uh, uh, you know sterile. It's different it, now, man. It, it's yeah, different. no, and it's, it's it, yeah, and, yeah. And I think you can't go. I think it's not going back. You know, I don't. I don't. I'm not sure. You could you could remember it and 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 bring it back in the, in a in. And then you see the clothes and maybe weave it into something you in nowadays. Uh, but whatever, whatever was, was. But you, and, but you're uh, pointing, no, what you're pointing to is financial st- stress and strain in the world that just the money is not there to invest or take risks in anything. Any, exactly. It's not. You, you agree, right? I mean, well, I, I can tell you this. I mean, I, what I was going to say before is that uh, just by happenstance, a guy from Colorado who uh, was down in Tucson, I met him at a studio. Uh, he had retired from Clear Channel after managing a couple, couple hundred stations. Uh, mm-hmm. And and he so I mean, that was about the most connected guy that I have met in my journeys. And, you know, he's a fan of mine. He's a, He really appreciates. He gets what I'm doing. And he sees, uh-huh, you know, and right. he's just like, you know, Jake, everybody, he's a good guy. He's like, everybody in life deserves a break. He's like, you worked your ass off, you deserve a break. So that was like, okay, eight months ago. I just interviewed Stanley Clark, sent him the email. He wrote back, he goes, Jake, Stanley Clark, way to go. He's like, I'm still looking to to contact the national syndicator. I, I mean, he, he can't get anybody, anybody to even listen to this shit. You know, it's crazy. There's no decisions because... There's a mar- there's a you know I have this niche now, but the mere fact yeah. that, you know the mere fact Alan, that you know it just hasn't totally lined up yet, man. But but the point is that I know this cat has been trying, but there's no there's no bites. You know if you're a known quantity, you'll get you know you have a good reputation, you'll get it. But anything a little bit progressive, but you know, and that's where we live now. I, and I don't see it improving a lot in the near future either. I mean, I, I think with everything, when everything's a charade, when there's no justice, you know, I mean, we, we are very big on charity and hope in this country, uh, right. but we don't, uh, and we don't, there's no justice, you know, nobody, nobody really is, uh, there's no follow through in our justice system, and so it's anemic, you know. And 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 uh, and and so, uh, you know, I don't want to go necessarily go back. It's just I the only way I know how to get enlightened is by having you guys articulate, you know, what was then to promote it now. Except you can't put it in a in a box because that the infrastructure is. Is all gone, and even the idea of like just walking into a jazz club and uh, you know, like you know, it's basically like you know, 
some like upscale sort of thing. It's just like, I don't want to see this music. I want to see the music in a brothel or something. You know, like, I don't want to see it. In, yeah, yeah. You know, these, right. ups, you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, swing it, man, you know? But it's a, uh, it, <laughs> but had you had, when was the last time you played live? Do you play like for chair, like for uh, events and stuff once in a while? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I do. I, I do. Um, uh, like, I'll, I'll put together, I'll put together, uh, a quartet. Uh, I did a gig not too long ago, uh, with, uh, Warren Vache. Warren Vache. The trumpet is, uh, player. Oh, uh, trumpet player. Yeah. Oh, yeah. dude, great trumpet. Made a lot of good records on concert. Great. That's right. That's right. right. Warren's a great guy. Wow. And, uh, Bob played guitar, drums, and I played drums, and, uh, Explain me, David. David Fink, and uh, and we. What it was was a. It gave me an idea. Um, it, it was very successful. It was a book signing party for Geraldo Rivera. <laughs> Another. Okay. Uh, this is so epic. I love this. <laughs> Like I did, just and, next time this happens, like if I'm ever on the East Coast, get me a press pass for this. I I have to cover this stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah sure. This is so great. Go ahead. You know what? It inspired me to think. It inspired me to think that everybody was loving it because <laughs> it was it was scoring what was going on. Yet it wasn't interfering, and yet it was making everybody feel good. You know, and did every we, once in a while, everybody would would stop and listen. Maybe they didn't have to listen. They could feel it, you know, and it was just, it just felt good. So, you know, I was, uh, I've been trying to get the, get these little kids. First of all, what's better than that? I mean, that's so I cool the way you just I, said that, though. That that the, the, their the, their ears are not trained to dance to it, or they they're, they don't have that. So they hear it and they feel it, and it feels good, and so the vibe is good. But they're not, yeah, you know, exactly. It, it, yeah. it just it enhances, yeah. it enhances the vibe. Yeah, so, yeah. That's burning is, uh, stuff. That's burn. That's so freaking cool. I mean, that's just so cool. That's, Don't that, you love when everybody wins? <laughs> everybody wins. Like yeah. I get, we get to play what we want to play, and you guys get to feel good. And uh, there's even some money. No, what I'm saying know? is and, like, you know, uh, it's like it's like it's like David Grisman told me. He's like, you know. In order to have a band, you got to have a gig. I mean, you, you have to have a gig, you know, and that's the point is that it's a gig. It's a, it, you're, you're getting paid, and uh, and you're getting paid pretty de- yeah. decently, and you're getting able, you're able to play that 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 emotional music that you guys, you know, what we're crazy about. Yeah. You know, I, I, bef- yeah. I as we, we, we as we wrap up part two here with with my my dear buddy Alan Schwartzberg, I I. Uh, I uh, Alan, I I really don't know what else to say, man. Like I I'm sort of floored this um this album White Lightning, Jimi Hendrix, and you're on you're the drummer on the entire album. And I said I I cannot believe I I I need you. To, how how did you meet Jimmy? Oh, I thought I told you. That. <laughs> no, no, I mean, no, 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 no. I, I kind of freaked out when I saw this album. I said he's playing drums not on two out of the, he's playing drums on eight out of eight songs on White Lightning. I said this, you know that album? It's a blue. Oh, album. actually, it's it's Midnight Lightning. Mid, thank you, Midnight Lightning. So that's right, that's right. Midnight, it, it is. Yeah, Midnight Lightning. I, you know, I had a it, uh, yeah. It, just take it away. I mean, I that story has not been vetted. Yeah, 
I so I did tell you right that I was playing with Mose Allison. Uh, no. Uh, there's a club in New York in the sixties, late sixties, early seventies. It was called the Scene, and it was down below street level, and uh, very cool, funky club. Um, and I was playing with Mose Allison, and. Uh, Bob Crenshaw was playing bass. That'd be a great interview for you too, Bob Crenshaw. No, I interviewed Crenshaw. Crenshaw and I. We, oh, you did. Okay. We went around and around for it was the, the, be, being able to play Grant Green on live radio was pretty for Bob Crenshaw was pretty sweet. And the guy and the guy did did, did you did you please tell me that you played Sesame Street with 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 uh, Joe Raposo and and Crenshaw at all? Did you fill in on that at all? No, 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 no. The, uh, Crenshaw had that. That was Crenshaw's gig at the uh, Sesame Street. Yeah. I'll send you the. Tra- I, tra- yeah. I transcribed. He talked about that relationship with, or walking in there and, uh, and seeing you know just the drummer and the bass player totally out of sync. And Raposo brought him in and just immediately he's like, I locked that groove. And it was like for the next thirty years he locked the groove. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, anyway, so uh, it was it was Cran- That was pretty smoking tree. Mo's you. Well, yeah, and um, and opposite us was this guy playing guitar with a kind of a um, Spanish like mariachi hat and long beads down to his like down to his knees, like beads around his neck, and and uh, really loud. Really, and this is, and these are the days when all I cared about was being a jazz player. That's all I wanted to do. And uh, I was working at the half not a lot and, and stuff like that. I just, I just wanted to play bebop. Um, and it was Jimmy, you know, it was Jimi Hendrix playing opposite us. We used to, he had a, he was playing a duo with a flutist named Jeremy Steig. Sure. You know that. Oh my God! Are you can't be all the Gene Perla, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, Perla. Uh, Perla, I mean, Stig, Stig. I read his his dad's books. Uh, they were my favorite books growing up. You know, Sylvester and the Magic Pub- Pebble. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. And he, he was yeah. Great cartoonist for the New York. Yeah. So anyway, him and St- yeah, just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so uh, I got. I'm not proud of this, man, but I'm just telling you the truth. Sure. The absolute truth. Uh, I was I was at the bar in between. Uh, they, they were about to go on, and uh, we had just finished the set. And uh, I got a tap on my shoulder. Turn around, and it's Jimmy, and he said, "Man, sounds great. You know, I, you know, we ought to get we ought to get together and play sometimes." You know. What year was this? And like uh, late sixties. Like sixty-seven. 68? Yeah, something like that. Okay, this is awesome. <laughs> and uh, I said to him, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, pretty much, uh, just not, you know, may have conveyed that I've 